When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. This is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm really good. Yeah, why? We're in London. And We I are in London. I haven't been in London in ages. Where have you been, Rob? I've been Let's in, guess. I've been in, guess where? <laughs> Shall we call your agent in LA and tell him? Because yes. he doesn't like me talking about this topic. It begins with an M. Uh, uh, Massachusetts. Margate. Oh, no, Margate. Margate. I just thought I wouldn't even let you guess. No, what's, no what's that, I guess? I've been doing yoga. You just started yoga, though, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. Some... Is it yoga ashtanga? Uh, I, did ashtanga. I, I, did, I did ashtanga. Oh, how was well, that? Well, no, I started with vinyasa, Ooh. and then I went into ashtanga, and I almost didn't do ashtanga, because I thought um, it was meant to be really difficult. And all that comes to my mind is Madonna in Ray of Light, looking incredible, and like Earth Mother, and like changing the world, uh, doing are ashtanga. Are you gay? You're not gay, are you? No, never. <laughs> um, do, doing ashtanga yoga. So I was a bit terrified, to be honest, but, because I'm not, I haven't done any ballet or anything since I was about five, six, seven years old. I used to do ballet when I was a kid. So you think the ballet is related to yoga? Totally. It totally brought it all back to me. Oh, I had wow. quite a lot of childhood memories. It was intense. Anyway, I now love yoga. I'm feeling really chill. I'm really happy. And yeah. when I come to London, I'm like totally excited because London's great. And great. Yeah, but I don't live here much anymore. So, that's so it feels like you're visiting as yeah. a tourist. So today's guest, yes. we are very excited about because part of the reason we did talk art was about letting people discover new artists and also new ideas and new ways of thinking. Yeah. And the exhibition at the Chisholm Hill right now, I think is one of the most important shows that has been on in, in the UK in a long, long time. Hear and that. there's one particular work in the show, which I think is going to go on to be quite seminal. The artist is actually uh, quite embarrassed right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, she, she's never really hung out with me or us, so I don't think she understands like, our, our level of enthusiasm. WTF, yes. But yeah, um, I'm incredibly touched by this work on so many levels, which yeah. we will discuss. Yeah. Um, Oh gosh. She currently has a show at the Chisholm Hill, which yes. is in East London, and yes. it's a great space for um, bringing new, new artists, artists to emerging, all of our attention. Yeah. And you went last week. I went last show. week, yes, and it's phenomenal, and this is incredibly exciting. We're also here to talk about this work for Hunger Magazine, who we're doing a collaboration with, talking about sound art. And uh, this artist works in sound art as a priority. And also many other mediums as well, and they are all interlinked, which we will learn now. But we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Emma Abassi Ocon. Hi. Hi. How was that intro? Yeah, it was fine. It was a bit much, but it's fine. (laughs) I am a bit much. Yeah. No, no, he's not. 
Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. So, um, how did you start making work, like, in the early days? You, did you study art from a young age? No, I studied design, actually. Oh. I studied uh, design by illustration and came through that way. And I just really liked the print room, actually. So I came through, like, printmaking doing massive screen prints. Wow. Um, I really love the process of it. I like the fact, I like the idea of like going home when you were physically tired from engaging in this kind of like physical work. And then also... Well, you mean screen printers in like put, dragging the... Basically, the, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and the then cardio. also, yeah, and also there were like things about that process where you can kind of explore the different variables. So basically how you expose your screen affected what the image would look like, uh -huh. how you mix the ink. And I was just really into all of those kind of different things that you can kind of like exploit basically which will yield different versions of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of didn't have any place at the time, I guess, for a traditional kind of graphic design practice. And also I was really greedy. I didn't really like making work for anyone else. Um, and then I went on to do an MA because I was a bit like, oh, what do I do with this? And then through the MA, I kind of started to think about like, what is this kind of like, what is this that I'm doing? And decided to kind of like, okay, I can sidestep and kind of like maybe the context that maybe seems more appropriate is maybe an art context for what I'm doing and then start to kind of like maybe think through that and try to apply through opportunities for that. Basically. Wow. What was your imagery you went for in the screen printing? Um, so it used to be uh, like very formal, very abstract, um, geometric. So again, no figures, um, playing around with like lots of light, lots of colour, um, lots of different layers, um, some typographical elements basically. And do you, you, do you feel like that's a period now that you've moved on from or do you revisit that, do you think? No, I really like, I still make, I still make prints. Like, do you? Yeah, do you? totally, cool. totally. Um, I love it. Like it's very much like the rhythm, the gram of it is very much shows up, maybe not explicitly, yeah. but it's very much in the work that I'm doing. So can we talk about rhythm? Yeah. I think a really interesting <laughs> thing that I first noticed before I actually saw your work is... Um, We've got to say, by the way, that the little, the little noises you can hear are scuffling around the floor is I've got two basset hounds in my apartment that are, that are shuffling around. <laughs> they're, and not like, they're not mine. <laughs> they're turn not mine. They're not mine. No, bassets. I did not. No, and one of them was a pup and he, he's snuffling around at the minute. So apologies for that. Um, so one of the things I noticed immediately, which initially I think kind of jolted me, were the titles of your works, but also the title of your exhibition at the Chisholm yeah. which uses um, really unusual... Uh, syntax and um, grammar yeah. and um, also unusual words which interestingly I didn't even know one of these words which we can talk about in a second okay. but how does that part of your work um, function and, and why is that so important? In a way they are a format for me to kind of like throw in everything that I'm thinking about when I'm making the work and to kind of cover all the areas that may be not explicit maybe that won't be so kind of like um, easily digestible or palpable when you visit the show so, and also there's this other thing where I don't want to just give it away. I want also like the audience or whoever is kind of engaged in the work to kind of like sit and study with me. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like the more you spend with it, the more it will reveal. So you could actually just take that title and every single word, just do a Google search and that will just kind of reveal more things about maybe what that work so is like trying to do. It's like Sudoku type, cryptic. Yeah, I mean, I've never played Sudoku. <laughs> right, okay. But like, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but almost just like um, a gift that keeps on giving. It just kind of constantly reveals and kind of constantly kind of like create digs for like other information that's not so like explicit in that show. So do you feel like an obvious title 
can take away from the work for you? You you think the titles need to be something that can be worked out as well? Yeah, I don't, so I don't have a problem with like obvious titles. I, I like I would challenge you like what is an obvious title? Uh-huh. Um, but for me, I it's also again in a way like a prophecy. It becomes a spell in terms of like all the things that I also want this work to be able to do as well, all mm-hmm. the things that I desire this work to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so if I can kind of like name that and put that in there, there is a part of me that absolutely believes that, that it will achieve that. So it's almost like you naming like a kid, like you wait for the kid to be born if you're like, oh, there's Joe or there's Joseph or there's like Mary. In a way, it's like, I want this to be this thing. I want this work to do all these other things that I'm really interested in. Do you have the title before you make the work? No, I no. have to see the work first. Uh-huh basically. So there was this kind of delay in terms of like, Emma, what's the title? I'm like, mm, I've got to wait a bit. I need a bit more time. The so Chisholm like, House and panicking because they're trying to do all their paperwork. No, they were, they were really good, actually. <laughs> right. um, Ellie was amazing. Um, she was really good um, and kind of like just 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 walked with me through it, basically. Um, I was just like, don't worry, take your time. So like, so that's important. Like I kind of have to see it and I have to see it outside of my head or like see it like taking up space and what that space looks like before I can kind of say, click, this is what it is, or this is what I want from it, actually. And sometimes what I want from it isn't necessarily what it's doing in that space at that time. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. So it still has the potential to transform or evolve yeah, as, it, right. as yeah. it exists. Yeah. Yeah. And it will do anyway, because the so. world will change as well around it. So I hope so, It yes. might have different meanings as it goes yeah. forward. And it's quite interesting for me, because when I first saw, so your title of your show in London is Infinite Slippage, non-repugnant insolvencies and then it has the word tarrying yeah. but it's broken up with lots of different punctuation yeah. exclamation, kind of mark, exclamation, exclamation mark marks. after each letter yeah and we can put this on our instagram um as hands clap of m's hard loved flesh i'm irreducibly undone because quantum lineage complex dub and there's punctuation throughout that yeah but when I first read it, I was initially like, huh? Like, yeah. what is that? To yeah. be totally honest, I was yeah. like, yeah. what a crazy title. And then the more I read it, I realized it was slowing me down. And it was, it was immediately, just from that one title, it was making me think. And instead of it being, I obviously also thought that you, you'd chosen to title it for a reason. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. there is an element of trying to crack a code or trying to yeah. work out what it is you're yeah. trying to it's communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously that isn't always immediate or as direct as that in art or in the world. You know, you you can't just be given something straight away. But what I liked about it was that as I I actually read it out loud and the punctuation did slow me down. And I'm very interested in this idea of slowing things down, which is what I've taken away from the show, I think. And the word word that I hadn't heard before was tarrying, which I love that word. And did you, have you always been interested in that as a word or did you? Yeah, so like not always, but it was always, it was, it was like a gesture that I'm familiar with. So for instance, like in the church I go to, like to tarry, it's a kind of, it's almost like a form of prayer where you're kind of like waiting, like you're waiting for an answer. Like you're like, it's almost like, it's almost like when everything's kind of like your very last kind of like, um, there's nothing else that can be done. It's like, I'm so desperate. Like I'm going to wait for this. Like I'm not going to move. I'm going to kind of like demand this kind of thing that I need. But then also there's a tarrying in terms of like tardiness, kind of also that I see as to be slow as well, to kind of wait, to kind of delay something. Um, so I was just interested in all of those different things. And again, I like taking particular words and kind of really kind of uh, pushing like, what do they mean? Like, so they can mean different things in different contexts, basically. So yeah, so, so yes, I, I'm interested in tarrying. I'm yeah. interested in this idea of like, 
delaying an answer or delaying... Well, it's a, you said in the interview it's an intended dwelling on something yeah. or the waiting for something to arrive. So yeah. it's, that, it's that pause, which when I oh. went to see your... Sh- All right, Cooper. <laughs> he was pausing. He's tarrying. When I went to see your um, show, I, I was in there for like 35 minutes, 40 minutes, and you can't not stop and wait for what's happening with the with the fans and yeah. with the music and you you are waiting for something to arrive yeah. but also you're watching it happen so it's complete that tarrying yeah. just like that makes sense yeah. completely yeah. and you reference like a philosopher yeah. that says in itself not doing anything is an action yeah. because something will always happen so you're allowing that other thing to yeah. happen if you don't take yeah. it and you can't predetermine what that is no you know and that's the other thing what i'm interested in, in terms of like what is gonna like like again like the thing that's supposed to happen will happen, you know? Like, I don't believe in coincidence, but, like, I do believe in this idea of magic where... It's fatalistic. Yeah, like, I do believe in, like, in faith and, like, and fate and, like, this thing that's supposed to happen will happen, basically. Right. Um, Like, again, just even if you take away, like, the idea of, like, faith from any kind of deity, it's, like... Like the more like for instance, you get up this morning or you go to bed uh, last night to say yeah. I see you in the morning. Yeah, that's a form of faith. Like you are practicing a form of faith that I'm going to actually wake up and see you in the morning. Uh-huh. And I'm interested in that. And I'm interested in terms of like what that does kinetically on you, like physically, mentally, and emotionally, basically. To like kind of and that's almost a spell in a way to say I'll see you in the morning, even though tomorrow hasn't come yet, right? Um, and I'm interested in like what happens in that space. It's hope. Hope is a big yeah. thing for you. That you, you treat hope as an actual mechanism, as something that yeah, you, it's a you technology. can play with. A technology. Yeah, hope totally. is a technology for you. Yeah. Like, it, like, I see it as like, and I think I said this in the interview in terms of like, it makes the invisible real. It gives like material to something that's invisible or that's yet to happen. And so, again, if you want to kind of place it in our current kind of political climate, I think hope is really important because we are very hopeful for things that have yet to happen that we want to happen, right? Yeah. So we can scale that up. Like it could be like really on a, on a micro, mm-hmm. micro personal level, or you can scale that up and it's on like a global level in terms of like, actually, what are the things that we need to see happening? And so how do we activate this technology? Like... We've kind of like um, instrumentalized lots of different technologies. How do we kind of take this technology of hope and use that to kind of bring down the things that we want to happen? So, so yeah, so there's like, it's like, I'm interested in that basically, yes. in moving through those different kind of like, I like you poles. Considering it as a technology, is it something that's palpable, something that's like tangible that yeah, you can work right? with? Yeah, amazing. Something that I've been thinking a lot about, especially since we've started doing these interviews in the last kind of six months, has been the idea that art has the power to change lives and to bring hope to, yeah. to people and also to bring people together. Yeah. And I think it's something that we need more than ever than before because. Um, I feel like the world's becoming so more individualistic and separate or whatever. So somehow art can bring us all together. And your exhibition, to me, really is about that. Um, And I don't know whether that's intentional or not, but that's what I took away from it, was this idea of um, people slowing down and actually somehow... Be having hope again and yeah. trying to make the world better somehow, yeah. even though that might sound a bit utopian or something. But I did feel this incredible power from it. And I think a lot of it was through the the visual of the fans moving mm. with the sound, yeah. but also combined with the whole installation that you've created. And the space, yeah. And then the more you read about the show, all the little details, like the hidden um, kind of uh, gel, you know, that's yeah. on the on the, yeah. the ceiling. So you yeah. prep, you, what, you needed to prep and, the space before you went in. So about <laughs> Yeah, your title was that you felt like for you to occupy that space, 
you needed it to feel like you'd claimed it. Yeah. So you'd made this human element with these liquids. So it's, it's um, gel that you use when you're pregnant to check, what's that called? Yeah, ultrasound gel. Ultrasound so gel. it's like a mixture of ultrasound gel, morphine, uh, insulin, and then in that mixture was like gold, which was just kind of like dunked in there, soaking in it there. It was your mum's jewellery or something? It was my mum's jewellery, yes, yeah. basically. But the, go- the gold, the jewellery isn't no, somewhere to be no. found. Okay, <laughs> fine. But it was just the- it's almost like an invisible layer <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. It's, it's, it's on the ceiling above you. Yeah. So as you're walking in, you might not even realise it's there. The, the top of the gallery ceiling, the ceiling you created, the no, full the ceiling. ceiling I created. created. Right, right, right. So basically each and every one of those tiles is like, there's a layer of this mixture that's been kind of like wiped wow. over it. And that could just be for you, but you want the the audience to know that as well. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely for me. Like, that is done as a gesture for myself. Um, but also, like, that's written as a material. So when you read it, you're like, okay, what does that do? So yeah. almost in a way, like, what are these materials, like, rendering to this kind of mass-produced object? Mm-hmm. You know, what what kind of effect do they have? Like, we understand what effect that they have on a body, mm. on a physical body. What potential effect could they have on something that's mass-produced, basically? This um, is the full ceiling we're talking about, ceiling. which yeah, is so like it, what you get in offices and schools. It's, yeah. it's when you have the square panels that are all pieced together, which kind of hide above them all the kind of wires and the yeah. ducts and everything. And you've installed that into the gallery space yeah. and there's actually a gap in between that and the existing ceiling. Absolutely. Which yeah. is also very important in the exhibition, yeah. which you can talk about in a minute. But um, Do you always prepare a space? Is this is this your thing? Do you like, before you enter, like a... Um, it's like a blessing, I guess, in some yeah, ways, Yeah, you can it? say, like, it's some kind of, like, I go in and I, like, kind of, like, get rid of all, like... The... Sage it. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is so it always this? Is it always this mixture? So this mixture has turned up in different ways, but not it hasn't it hasn't necessarily been applied to like the walls or like an infrastructure in the show. Um, normally they've been contained in like in plastic bags that I've made. Um, so this is the first time I've used it outside of that. And so actually maybe uh, a detail is that the work that wasn't always going to be the work. I was going to make these kind of life size um, two meters by two meter, almost like um, bags that had this mixture in it with like a pump. But that cost too much to make and I just wasn't maybe, I wasn't interested in spending that. What do you that. mean though? Like the ba- how many bags? So like, like there'll be one bag and it'll probably be like um, a bit taller than you. Yeah. Two metres wide. Clear. Clear. Yeah. And it would have this solution in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it looked like a big intradrenous drip, but a big version. Absolutely. And, well, be and like it would a always pump. be circulating. It would... No, no, no it, would just be, it would be stationary and there would just be like a pump where you could like literally like pump it out basically. Wow. Oh, I see. Like, yeah. like, like you would pump, um, like, hand you know, wash like, out of yeah, the thing or something. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and you could, you could then have that for yourself. Or I that's... hadn't decided whether I'd wanted okay. people to do that. But, but then this, but this will gold. turn up at some other point in your work. I don't know because it's, I, it, like, to make to to make that on its own is like just a certain amount of money that I wouldn't necessarily pay to kind of make an artwork. Yeah, got it. Basically, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to the see fabrication that. Fabrication costs. Yeah, outweigh, I just, I'm not yeah, invested in that. Basically, at the moment, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't see the need to kind of do that to right. put that money down for this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I can enjoy it. Like it's enough as an idea, but basically, yes. right? And also, that idea has led to another work anyway. Absolutely, and it still exists because yes. it's an idea and that's yeah. real. Yeah, totally interesting. Well, I so said the main element of the show is that you walk in and there are eleven industrial. Yeah. Uh, air conditioner fans that have all got um, had their motors removed and all that's left is the fan yeah. and they're affixed to the wall and behind six of them there's, there's speakers so inside them inside there's speakers, them yeah. inside them there's yeah. speakers and the motors have been left in so it's all the gas the gas cylinders all that's been gutted out right basically. right right so it's just a shell so it's just um, the motor and the wire that kind of like allows the motors to kind of be um, powered and there then and you set up a program system so the fans operate at different times and throughout there is a music sequence 
by an artist called Miguel. Yeah. And the song's called... Adorn. Adorn. Yeah. But it's really slowed down. Yeah. So it has this kind of, to me, it had a really filmic, dystopian, very immersive, atmospheric yeah. vibe. And I love that. And then you get the wind coming from different <laughs> angles. Yeah. It's, and it's, I just, I didn't know what to expect. And it was just so compelling. And you're so in it. It's yeah. amazing. And people were, were really slow in there. People were really tarrying in there. It That's was, good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, How I did you come to that idea with these industrial fans? So... In the show in New Art Exchange, I had used like um, an air vent before. Right. Oh yes, and um, and so that's kind of like a continuation of that work, and it and always comes back, and it comes back. This is like where the screen printing turns up. Like I'm interested in maybe like materials that have like variables that can be explored or exhausted. So we just take the whole kind of like family of what air conditioning or air vents look like. I can like mine that for like days or for years, right? Because they all look different. There's different like forms. There's different versions. And it all belonged to this particular family. So it was just a step up from that. But why do you think you're interested in, in them? What's, what is it about an air vent or a fan that makes you... I just like this thing about it. It kind of sits in the middle between like the outside and the inside. Right. And also as it kind of filters a particular... It filters one space into another space. Mm. So there's almost like um, an osmosis. There's osmosis that's kind of happening. Yeah. And I'm interested in that. What's well, um, a conduit? Like, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. And I'm interested in kind of playing around in terms of like who allows what to come through and what pace, um, how much, who controls that. And I'm, I'm interested in that. But I'm also interested in that as being like these kind of um, architectural foundations that you see in buildings, yeah. you know, that... Peripheral, you take yeah, for, totally. for granted the whole time. Totally, totally. And those are things that are making up the society that we live in. Yeah. So the, the choice of how the building is built or the way it looks, all of that is kind of the structure that we're all... Right. And who made that decision as yeah. well. So again, that could be an analogy for like all these other things that exactly. I want to talk about. Yeah. You know? And something that I found incredibly powerful about this exhibition was the idea that the sound from those six speakers, even though it's coming through the vents and, you know, almost through the breeze yeah. that's hitting you yeah. occasionally, is actually being sent or directed to the empty space, space yeah. above the yeah. the false ceiling that you yeah. put in the gallery. And that empty space was meant to kind of, or can be seen as um, almost like a space that we ignore and don't realise is there. Yeah. People in the And margins. then it's this idea, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I found that so incredibly yeah. powerful. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That was, so, so So it's interesting to kind of hear you say, because these are all things that I'm interested in. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, you're so you're the money. About yeah, I'm happy about that. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take five of those. Um, but yeah, so almost in terms of like trying to, again, not show a figure or not kind of like, be figurative in like a traditional sense and think about how do you talk about certain bodies formally or through things that already exist in the world or things that are mass produced. Um, and it was important that that kind of like um, those moments that the fans were producing were directed. Were so that space was privileged, basically. A space that we necessarily can't get to or a place that we wouldn't necessarily kind of like focus on. Is, is, is where that's kind of being directed. That's being kind of like privileged at that particular moment. Right. Is there anything up there that we don't... Did you put plant anything up there? Or no, there's didn't? nothing up there. There's nothing up there's, there. There's, there's, there's absolutely nothing up there. Okay. And that's also important, you know, like this yeah. nothingness but fullness as well. So it's full. So it becomes full or charged with this, this particular weight, this weight from this basically love song um, that's been slowed down. This, and you said in this, you, you don't know if it's been made for the living or the dead. Now you're talking about conduit and the movement yeah. from one place to another. The, the fact it's been slowed down, it feels like it's 
from the past or it's someone's mm. crossed over and as it's moving through it's like it's coming from the other world yeah, yeah I was going to say quite otherworldly do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. otherworldly yeah. it's like that, that's the dead coming yeah. into living or the other way yeah. around it's like but on like on like many levels so like one thing that I maybe haven't been so explicit about and I, I guess I don't really want to talk about that much is that there is grief wrapped up in this work there is an element of like dealing with grief and like how you process that and wanting to kind of see a body that you love so much that is no longer no, that you can no longer physically touch or engage with or caress or like be with how you used to be with them. So it's again, if we're kind of playing around with this kind of micro macro scale on a very personal level, there's a conversation about grief. And then on a very macro level, there's a conversation about bodies that are in the world, but we just don't give them any kind of like um, any kind of privilege or any kind of concern. Well, people wouldn't grieve for them. Yeah, but, not, like, but but the thing that you could talk about this idea about living dead at people who are alive, actually. Yeah. yeah. But we don't see them, no. you know, because no. we don't want to see them. Like mm. whether they're cleaners or whether like they're migrants is like, there's a whole like roster that we can kind of go through mm. in terms of people who actually, you could say are like the living dead, basically. So in that sense, yes, mm. I could say that I have made it for the dead, but that word again could be pulled apart in terms of actually, it doesn't necessarily mean people who have like passed away. It could be people who are very, very much real present, and right. present right now, basically, who are presently absent. So I just had like, I launched a book yesterday and one of the speakers was a person called Karen Salt, and she used this word like presently absent. And so like, that that also I think is like is apt to kind of describe these bodies that are like in this, in this liminal space. I think you've really just explained what it was for me that's so powerful about this exhibition. It's this idea that I recognised or had empathy for some kind of hurting or pain yeah. or some well maybe it is this this grief you speak of or whatever but i didn't know it was necessarily grief even but for me there was this charge yeah, it's not and totally emotional, comfortable in there it's yeah. not yeah, like it's a like, thoroughly enjoyable experience but that's but also why yeah. i connected to it because yeah. it has that soul and that depth of emotion and there's something about slowing down that particular song mm. now i i love that record anyway <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, um, well let's miguel, hear your miguel story miguel's then so come amazing. on um well no 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 i don't really have a story about him necessarily but um i I loved the version that he did of that song with Jesse Ware as well. They did like I a haven't duet it. together and it's... So How did you find it? Is it a friend so, you? Yeah, so a uh, friend of mine, Tara Langford, um, I can't like, we must have been having dinner at hers and she played me this track and I was just like, what? And so, <laughs> but actually the track that she played wasn't the original. So I hadn't heard the original of my oh. girl first. I came by it through the Chopped and Screwed version. Right. So... So next morning, I, I like, it's like, what is that? And then since then, I've just been really obsessed with it. And as I do, I want to know more about it. Um, so hang on, Chopped and Screwed, is that the producers who did no, the, so it's a this genre is what of you've music. called it? Oh, okay. No, so it's a genre of music where they play around with like stereo, they play around with like slowing uh, the track down right. and playing around with like um, dropping like beats, basically. Um, and it's come up like... Uh, in Texas, and it's the whole thing. It's a whole massive, like, genre. And so I started to kind of look into it and then talk to my brother about it, who was also very much interested. So it was like, so what I quite like also these these kind of, like, these moments where you kind of, like, go around in yourself where it's like, okay, like, well, my brother's interested. I didn't even know he was interested until I kind of found this thing. And then starting to kind of explore it more and just kind of thinking about how it came about in that this was a genre of music that kind of, like, which was, like, instigated to kind of, like, accompany a particular high, um, a high that you got off like a codeine mixture. And right. um, so you'd mix like codeine mixture or cowpaw with like Kool-Aid 
and that would make you really lethargic, basically. Um, and that was what was practiced, and then this music came out of that. So I was just like, wow. Really? Like, yeah, like, I was like, wow, like, that's really interesting. So it's like a lifestyle music. Like yeah, a- right. But I was just really kind of overwhelmed by... I was well, I was really interested in all of that as a way to kind of like, there's people who are already practicing this thing about slowing down. Like it's it's intention, there's an intentionality yeah. behind it that actually, and I'm like speculating here, but I like to think that this is what's going on, is that the world is like it's too fast, like there's too much drama going on. Yeah. I just I need some time out. And and this is what I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow this right down. And so the music in a way was to kind of help stay the high or to kind of like elongate and sustain that particular feeling. And so, so I really liked that. I was really interested yeah. in that. I was really interested in the idea that I can talk about what they've done through like maybe the lens of like a ready-made. Um, and also the fact that these weren't necessary bodies that are introduced into this canon that we're like interested in terms of an art canon, but they're on the periphery, but they're still doing this, which can be like really viewed and talked about in many different ways. Um, and not, I'm not necessarily interested in kind of saying, we need to raise this to this kind of like level or we need to kind of validate. I'm very much interested in it being what it is over there. Mm. I'm not interested in kind of saying like, now we can kind of talk about this because it's equal Mm. to like what this person's doing here in the center. Um, But I was just amazed like, wow, like that's really interesting Mm. for me at least. In a really commercial sense and referencing us is that recently there's been a massive spike in audio books and podcasts because people are overly stimulated with Instagram, for yeah. example, that they want to be orally, A-U-R-A-L-Y, yeah. stimulated. That, and there's been a massive yeah. spike in it, which yeah. is, you know, in a commercial sense, what you're saying is that people want to slow down. People don't want to be, like, bombarded yeah. on a daily basis with images that they have to look at for three or four seconds yeah. and skim through. It's like we've got... Yeah. It's, it's amazing. But also I think that's what's, for me, quite interesting about sound and that sound has... It has this ability to do something that what sight can't do you know like it really for me like it really affects the body so when I listen to like a track that I like it like it surreptitiously like poaches me like I'd be walking down the street and I might hear a song that I like and then you start tapping like involuntary like I'm interested in that like how do I how do I take that as a material and that's kind of like what I'm trying to do like how do I take this kind of like ability of like sound to do this thing to you Mm. How do I how do I make how do I make work out of that or how do I utilize that? Right. And, you know, and then even on that alone, on on by privy of that, what else do we not know that sound can do or achieve? Right. Um, so yeah, so, I'm, so it's I'm, like an experiment. Yeah, in lots of ways. Like it's it's it's, it's, it's always an attempt. A social experiment. It's always, always an attempt. It's always an attempt. For but me. also, I think the exhibition highlights this thing that you wouldn't pay attention to. So you become aware of the idea of sound having an impact on your body. And even when the air comes out of the fan and hits Mm. your body, that even that sense, so it it heightens, yeah, Yeah. and it heightens your senses on all levels in a way, in that slowness, which then you take away with you as being like this powerful experience. And I was really interested in the idea as well that you spoke about how sound hadn't been almost co-opted or something by political organisations or um, governments or Or whatever in the the structures in the way that imagery has. And that that was important to you. Yeah, totally. The hierarchy of sight. Sight has always been put first and sound second. Yeah, but in also how sight or like like the images or like photographic images have been used to kind of prove... a particular supremacy over particular groups, yeah. you know, like how, like there, there's a history of that in terms of like, this is an image of this kind of person and look how, 
look how unamazing they are or how primitive they are in comparison to our white counterparts. Yeah. Or like, like there's a whole history of that. And mm. I think for me, I can't not look at a photograph anymore and not see that history. Whereas I think sound, and I say sound and not necessarily music, doesn't, as far as I know, doesn't have that particular history, doesn't have that ancestral trait in terms of it's being used to kind of weaponize and, and kind of like, um, conjure up stereotypes about particular people, particular communities, and so on. Do so you think so because that's the images that have got out, then it's ended up creating a stereotype? No, so I'm kind of like so. So, so the example that I use in this interviews, for instance, what's kind of allowed me to kind of think like this, and yes, I am speculating, is the idea that there's a document that has been used, or a document that has been used as evidence that details a particular heinous activity that's been visited on a particular body, on a black male. And that then document is then taken into a court of law, uh-huh. a particular, it was supposed to be democratic and supposed to be for everyone. But something happens when those two things meet, when this, judis- when this judicial system meets this photographic where it's not read in the same way, where it's like everyone who's outside of that will say, yes, this is something terrible. This mm. is something that... Right. That like yeah, I can I can see with my own like something bad has happened, but the verdict that's returned is a not guilty verdict. And you think that's to do with the medium of photography? In some ways, it removes uh, a certain absolutely. Whereas if it was a sound document, yeah, like so it makes yeah. me feel like we need a different format. We need a different format for representation. Got it. So so for instance, if and also. The photograph is always something that's, uh, it's a retrospective act. So you're always looking at something that's happened. So it requires you, again, then start looking back into this particular ancestry of mm. this document, right? Mm. So why not like think of a format that doesn't have all of that history? Mm. Like, and what does that look like? And it might not just be sound on its own. It might be sound in something that's more tactile. But I think the site has been overdetermined. It has been kind of weaponized. And it's partly like a lot of the problems that we have around normativity or like what normativity is supposed to be, like what is right, what is the proper way of being. Normativity, what does that In terms of like what is the right way or the agreed way to kind of live your life or be your life. Like a social norm, you know, like gender norms, all those kind of ideas. And then in some ways you reference when it comes to punctuation, when it comes to language, is that you're like, this is, why is it that this is what we've been taught is the only way to... yeah kind of uh, express yourself through totally. written word totally. and you're trying to break that. It's totally. Like, why, yeah. So like I'm against it all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Like, so in every single way, like in like in my very approach is like, how do I position myself against all these things, yes. basically? Because even in language, there's, if I think even in language and the, the grammar that we've given and the way that we've been asked to perform language contains some of these ancestral traits yes. in terms of like what's proper. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I love that. I really you know, I, it's my, my head a friend off. of mine, Ben, who I met in Margate, he sent me a New York Times article the other day from April written by Sarah Lewis and it was um, titled The Racial Bias Built Into Photography and it's all about the idea of Kodak when it first got invented, yeah. how they only tested it on white skin yeah. and it was about how photography as a medium was basically... Um, making white people look right in the picture, yeah. but no other skin colours. And it is the most fascinating article. And um, I've been reading more and more recently because we're doing this exhibition um, in Margate in September, which is all about um, the history of hosiery and women's tights yeah. in art, curated by Zoe Badeau. And there's all kinds of themes in this show, a lot to do with like women's rights and feminism, yeah. but, but a lot also to do with skin colour and um, racial politics and the idea of um, tights, for example, um, being Flesh. the wrong colours, yeah. you yeah. know, for people's skin. And there was that story recently of yeah, that going guy... Yeah, to Marks and skin tone is, like, not really skin tone for me, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. But, like, but, that, but like, again, that's on a very, like, uh, micro level. And like, yes. So what I'm talking about is, like, on like a structural a, level. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. I think that's... That, and for me, that's where... I am invested in terms of like, yes, all of like tights and like skin, like, you know, nudes, like tights mm-hmm. is really important for me. Um, like opaque, hundred denier, like mm. when it comes to winter. But on a more like important level for me is like when it becomes structural, when it's like very much like the ingredient of certain things that we use and trade in every day. Like just and just by kind of perpetuating the photograph, you're almost like maybe perpetuating these ideas unknowingly. I know, but that's what, that's what I think was so interesting is that something like photography, you know, more so than tights and even yeah. plasters or, you know, yeah. all these different things that are all completely messed up as well. But the thing about photography is it's Plasters, become yeah. such a language, you know, probably more, more used in a way than spoken word these yeah. days for people to communicate. Yeah. And if that has this bias, you know, from its root then it has to be readdressed and discussed and thought Absolutely. about. Absolutely. And I'd never thought about photography in that way yeah. before, which I'd is kind of my own I'd never thought about plasters. You've just blown my mind <laughs> Yeah, well, there's there. an amazing story of a guy about a year ago who... Um, I heard about bought, this. Yeah, he'd, he was in America, I think, yeah. and he'd bought... Um, plasters of his own skin tone and then bought them six months before didn't think about it was like oh that's cool one day cut his finger went to the cupboard put the plaster on his finger burst into tears and had such a strong physical reaction to the idea that the skin color matched his own skin color on the plaster and you know for a white person and a person who's been incredibly privileged you know when you put a plaster on you don't think about it you take it for granted everything's taken for granted so um you've got an obsession with dairy girls i do I do. Where did this obsession come from? Um, Watching it, it obviously. It came from um, the director of Void Gallery, um, Mary Kremin, who, so basically the show is travelling to Void next year and I went to do a site visit. Where's, where is that gallery? Uh, Derry. Derry, right. And um, uh, it, was a, it was an amazing visit and... Yeah, just it just showed up my own naivety about like um, what happened there and how like how much that's a recent history, um, and just made me realize actually when they're talking about Brexit and the backstop, I was like, ah, right now I get this, now I understand what that means, mm, and it's right. just like, okay, wow, like this is like literally just happening over here. So there was this mural of like um, the characters um, from the from the series. I was like, oh, who are they? And she's like, oh my goodness, you've got to watch Dairy Girls. I was like, okay, cool. I'll go and watch Dairy Girls. And I just literally blitzed through 
the first series. Um, I'm saving the second series. And I just thought, like, it's so incredible. It's just... And I just... Yeah, I just, I just think it's great. I think it's hilarious. But also, more importantly, it does this thing where you have the trauma in terms of what's going on or what, what was happening in Derry at that time. And that isn't foregrounded. What's foregrounded mostly is just these individual lives, these kind of incidents, these tales, these kind of antics, these kind of um, just growing up um, as a teenager mm. is what's kind of privileged. And, and, I, and I really like that. So it's almost like they're not defined by this bigger thing. Yes. Right. Like that's not all they are. Um, they're also, there are other things as well. So they can hold both of those realities mm. simultaneously. They're not like, okay, oh, I'm really sorry that this has happened to you and this is the only way I can talk to you and yeah. have to patronise you or like have to be concerned or be sorry for you. It doesn't define their yes. whole being. Right, like yeah. there are other things as well. Well, I've, yeah. got, so I've got that as a soundbite. I'm in a show at the minute that's on TV. It's just finished called Years and Years. And like in the first episode, there's like a nuclear bomb's gone off. Yeah. And but everyone still carries on. Life carries on. Right. Tragedies happen in the world. Horrific things are happening. But you still get up. You still laugh. You still eat. You still hang out with your friends. This you is still, what I'm talking about. You still make love. You still like Absolutely. go down the pub. Like lots you do, of making lo- love. Like. Loads of making love. And it's like you do all that, but then all this terrible stuff is happening on the news, on TV. But that's that's the macro version. But yeah. the micro version is it's about love and it's about just exi- you. You don't stop. You don't roll yeah. over. Yeah. This and I, and, I, and for me that's really important. That's really important and that, you know, that it doesn't, that, it, that you can still have joy. Yeah. That you can still have joy in those moments, basically. And certain kind of like framings of those situations will make you believe that these people don't have joy. And actually, and this right. is not to reduce or to kind of like um, be flippant about what's happened or what happens to people in general. But it's kind of say like they are, that they're more than that. You know, they're more than this one thing that's just kind of happened to them. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's another theme that I have really been thinking about. When even when I woke up this morning and I knew we were going to talk to you, the thing that kept coming into my head was this word "whole," which yeah. is such a weird thing to think as a word, like W-H-O-L. "whole." Yeah, like W H O L E. Yeah. But this idea of being a whole person. Yeah. And that you when you're making your work, you don't just want to bring one part of yourself to your work. You want mm. to try and bring the whole of yourself mm. or represent the whole of all people in a way. Yeah. But but I, I like this idea that as an artist, you're not just, today I'm going to be the artist. You know, it depends mm. on mm. what, what you ate at breakfast, how you feel, yeah. all these things. And that's the whole experience. And that's what I think the exhibition is, is this whole environment. It's like a complete environment. And you somehow. felt pressured before to be... Th- parenthesis the artist no not so much pressure to be the artist like I'm like I'm that last like you know I'm not I don't even use that to kind of make work that doesn't that's not where the work comes from like I'm not invested in that as a title um in a way I've I've used that quite flippantly um but just in terms of like and I guess maybe coming from teaching and being and and being in a role that I take very seriously in terms of like having to privilege or facilitate other people's visual language or other people's various different languages, um, just how there becomes a standard um, and how in the beginning I was also exacting that standard or asking them to kind of like perform that standard and just realize actually that this is, this is an issue and that this isn't, this isn't conducive or appropriate for all of these people to kind of take up this particular way of being. Yeah. Like it's wrong. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so I just started to kind of like to think like how do I then like... And I talked to like a good friend, uh, Taylor, about this. How do you, how do you become your default person without all of these external influences, whether that's from family, friends, culture? How do you be yourself? Like, what does that look like? Um, and 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 that's kind of where that's come from. 
Um, How do you do it then? I, I have no idea. You, still work. you don't be an artist. A journey, yeah. But also, as a human being, you're you're. If the moment you sort of leave the home and go to school, for example, this is a really basic example. But once you go to school, I remember a lot of my friends who have had kids and they send their kids off to school. One of the reasons they get so upset is the idea that they're suddenly entering society and that they're going to have all these rules and regulations yeah. and strict things put on them, yeah. which might then suppress who they are. Right. And then that, as you grow up and you go through all these different systems or whatever happens in your life to, different systems will happen you know will be put upon you different mm. forces will be put upon you whether it's you know all different things can happen to you but it's how you then respond to those but then I think as you get older you have to find who, who you are again somehow mm. through all of that yeah. I think the educational Throw system has away. a lot to answer for with that because I, I feel like when I left high school I should have probably gone into therapy after leaving high school because I didn't have a fucking clue I was I was like pretending to be one thing yeah. my voice hadn't broken at some point and I pretended I had a deeper <laughs> voice yeah. it's like you know I didn't get pubes till I was about 15 a very late developer Gosh. but I pretend so you yeah. don't need to too much information but all that sort of stuff can screw your head up as yeah. a kid and pretending yeah. trying to be someone you're actually not in your head yeah. but outwardly to survive school yeah. and then you leave and then you're out in the real world and you're like I don't know who the fuck I am yeah, yeah, yeah. and the thing is I think they're all forces that have been put upon you which you don't it's not like you can suddenly go this is how I'm whole <laughs> you know this is how I'm going to be the full me the default me you just have to try and find that person yeah. as much you can and that's yeah. going to be a lifetime journey I yeah. think and and it, and it becomes a policy and, and one thing that I'm really interested in which I spoke about a lot recently is just the idea of policy is essentially just someone saying oh this worked for me in this particular way. Like I got to the door by making this amount of steps. So I'm going to make sure that everyone makes those amount of steps to get to the door. And then it's rolled out. And I was like, mm, well, actually, what if your, if your legs are short? What if you like your size seven or size nine? Like you're going to take different amount of steps. And so I'm interested in the kind of like thing, okay, there doesn't have to just be one way. And this then also comes under the rubric of like professionalism or, or professionalizing and what that looks like. Like, what does it mean to be a professional? You know, yeah. how does it mean? Like how you, how you're supposed to attend an interview? Mm. Um, how you're supposed to kind of stand up and like talk and present yourself. Like mm. all of that comes under this rubric of professionalization, which I think is nefarious to say the least, mm -hmm. you know, because that also, that's also becomes like a stencil, like a cookie cut in terms of like all this other stuff that you are, all this excess. Like I love lamb with like a nice piece of fat on the side of it. I don't take that fat off for me, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's asking you to take that fat, which I think is really important for like lamb, right? And so you're given this piece of meat without end, which is just dry, basically. Yeah. You know? Because um, someone someone's decided that we don't like fat. Basically. Umbrella of humans yeah. don't like the fat on yeah. the lamb. So we're yeah. going to take that off. Totally. Give me yeah. my fat. <laughs> and also, it's a lifelong exploration for you this yeah yeah thing. totally and that's what I mean it's not and also all these things I'm trying to kind of maybe think about in the work is happening in real time with me so it's not I'm, I'm also trying to do this like in, in real time you mm. know like for myself I'm also trying to hence the titles like okay what would language look like what would a grammar look like that I that, that actually carries the way that I speak or carries What's the way that I want to to your them. rhythm basically yeah. you know so this is so it's not like I have an answer you said before, like, it's an experiment. Like, yes, it's an attempt. Everything's an absolute attempt. Like, okay, I maybe didn't get it right last time, but I'm going to try and do it this time. I think for me as well, 
the idea of trying to get the whole self, you know, and not to reduce who you are or suppress certain parts of your personality in order to become professional or yeah. to be acceptable within society, those other parts of yourself that make up the whole can actually end up bringing greatness to society anyway. Yeah, And that's right? the whole point. And it's the same with feminism. You know, if you want equality of the sexes and equal rights for all people, male or female, or transgender or, or whatever. Yeah. And equal pay. Yeah. Equal pay. Yeah, yeah but no, but e equality generally. Yeah. Um, out of that equality, the the other gender will be better off anyway, or the other the rest of society will succeed better because you're helping each other, right? Because it's joint strengths that are going to make the world a better place, and that's actually what I think it's that the show in a way kind of represents as yeah. well. Not necessarily just those topics, but yeah. the idea of somehow if we come together, you know, we'll actually be better yeah. or the world will be better and that's and, and one way to kind of maybe look at that is like all of these things are like there's like the show is like I'm interested in like fabric uh, uh, fragmentation so the fans are one thing like the ceiling's another thing um, the frames are another thing the lights are another thing and there's not they're not necessarily cohesive but actually they work together mm. and that's what I'm interested in so it's not this thing about I'm not interested in like cohesiveness so even like the other thing we didn't talk about is that there's an extra distortion with the sound because of the the blades of the fans yes so again it's not about being able to kind of have things in like HD or like high fidelity I'm not interested in that like I'm interested in when it kind of gets a bit gritty and like I'm interested when it becomes fragmented so it's like so if you were to listen to the sound outside outside of the fans they sound much different to what they do with the inside of the fans. Right. So again, just this constant thing like, okay, like just training or drawing on you to kind of like wait a bit more to kind of like think through like what, what's going on here, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested in cohesiveness. And it's disrupting the, the, the way we're into hearing the audio as yeah. well. So it's, yeah, which is, yeah, it's interesting. I love it. <laughs> well, you. hope comes up and aspiration. Yeah. You're talking about the frames. Yeah. Um, there's an aspirational feel because it's a very low quality kind of chipboard yeah. wood that you use and then you frame it in these beautiful, expensive yeah. framings which yeah. aspires the chipboard up. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, the same thing with hope. It's like always trying to yeah. be better yourself and, and be presentable. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, and, it, and I guess like... And that would, that's more of like a, I'd say a tight work in terms of like there is like, it is quite formulaic in that for me, I think about language with those works in that for me, language will always be the language that I'm kind of like talking to you now. Like for me, there'll always be a dissonance between this feeling that I have, like I have this feeling, there's this desire and I want to try and communicate it to you. Mm -hmm. But through the apparatus that I've been given, the apparatus I've been given to kind of communicate that to you, there's always going to be some fallout. You know, there's always going to be something that's not delivered in the way that I'm feeling it. You know, that... Uh, Is that because there's only certain words you can use in your vocabulary? Like the no, word but just love, in general, for example. Yes, yeah. My feeling of love is different to your feeling of absolutely, love, but the only word we've got to describe you. it is love. Yeah, basically. So it can be like, you know, um, like my love for like... Um, um, lamb, lamb with yeah, yeah, for lamb, right? <laughs> yeah. It's completely different to my love for like Mahela Jackson. It's completely different to my love for like your dogs in this place. Yeah. But I've just been forced to use this one word, yeah. right? Like there's there's more of like a gamut 
like there's more of like yeah um, like it's more expansive in terms of what each and one of those loves are they're, they're all different yeah. mm. but I've just been given one bloody word to you I know it's like you need a longer word for love sometimes I, I need a much longer yeah. word for love and you need a lot of punctuation I, in I yeah, and yeah. I was, um, yeah a lot of fat on that love yeah. <laughs> when I was about 14 <laughs> <and> rosemary <laughs> when I was about 14 I remember hearing one of the Bjork um, songs and it said like words are useless how can they explain how I feel and it was the first time that I'd even like thought about that because yeah. at the age of 14 you just accept or yes, I, I exactly. personally yeah. not Take everyone everything obviously for granted. but I had just thought mm. words are words and that's what they are and I remember her singing that and it really cutting me and I was really angry about it and I suddenly felt like my, my, my brother had just died and I remember thinking like mm. I'm feeling all these emotions which actually a lot of it was probably anger which I didn't recognise at the time. Yeah. But like, I've words, only got this vocabulary to yeah, describe it. None of those it. words did. Yeah, it's enough. 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 Yeah. yeah. They're not long enough. They're not no. textual enough. They're not fleshy enough. They're not. But someone they don't somewhere vibrate. has decided that then yeah. words are the words that you can use and that's it. Right. And, and that actually God, is something deep. that has really yeah. happened in language. Like, under like, uh, again, the colonial rubric, uh, people have gone in and like robbed people of their language. So, again, so it's, it, it is a real thing. So, mm. I'm speculating it in the abstract, but actually, it's a real thing where there's a history of that that's happened. Yes. Basically. So yes, so people have like, the, the, the way that they've been communicated has been replaced with someone saying, actually, you know what, this is how you're going to love today. Or this is how you're going to gonna like talk to like a lemon juice or cake today. This is how you're going to So consume. what do we do, Imar? I don't know. Like, it's all an attempt. Like, let's attempt to try and do it. I like, think one of the most important things is to talk to each other, which is what we're doing right now. Yeah. And also for you to continue your journey making your work, yeah. because I feel like you've created your own language yeah. and are still creating, creating your own language. Yeah. And the more you do that and the more And you do it you through have, sound. It's like you're communicating and also through sound. Vi- and the word, through sculpture and, yeah. you know, all the different mediums, because even the, the lights in the show, I loved that idea that it was linked to your family and yeah. your you know, the kind of personal references within those. But but I feel like the more you continue to do your exhibitions over the next, you know, however many years... 150. Um, 150 years, hopefully. <laughs> uh, no, no, but that, that, that language, in a way, will become more understood in its in its own yeah. right, yeah. which will then yeah. continue, yeah. We're very excited Can about I you. Can I quickly just ask one thing that I really I want to bring I also need up. the Miguel story because people are going to be very angry that I cut you off earlier because you didn't finish it. Th- there isn't really that big a story. What was it then? What was the link? No, I just love the record. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention was this idea that I found a sense of mystery in when approaching your exhibition, that it was all quite mysterious. Yeah. And that in itself was quite a shock to me because these days there isn't much mystery. I feel like a lot of things are just brought up to you on a plate. Yeah. And I heard an interview the other day with Lena Dunham, the actress on TV show Girls, and she was interviewing a singer called Sia. And Sia said part of the reason she thinks she's been so successful or part of the reason it's worked is because she had mystery yeah. um, because she didn't show her face. Yeah. And she decided to withdraw. The bigger she was becoming, the more she withdrew as a face and as yeah. a person. Mm. And she didn't want her body to be seen yeah and she she's just a blonde wig basically yeah. it's this wig and that became the thing and i love that idea of mystery and um what is is that a deliberate thing for you or, or not no actually like i haven't set about like i'm going to go i'm going to try and create mystery in that like no that that hasn't actually been a thought at all right. um there has been some decisions that have been made in terms of like um I'm definitely not going to give this away so easily. Yeah. Right. So that has been, that is an intentionality in terms of, I want people to work for this. Um, um, and, they, and I will reward you if you stay with this. So for instance, if you go to another show of mine, I'm hoping that by following me, other things will start to kind of reveal themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, I did, one of the main decisions is not to kind of put a figure in place. Like that's something where in the past I have, but now I'm just like, actually, I don't want to, 
I don't want to be figurative in that kind of traditional way. So that has been a decision, but not to like, oh, because I want to create mystery, but it's oh, because I just don't want this body to be consumed in a really kind of like uncomfortable way. And that's not necessarily my body by any kind of body. Interesting. Is it because if you put a figure in there, then people automatically project onto it what the work is? Yeah, but then also like, if I'm going to put a figure in there, it's going to be a figure that looks like me, right? And I just feel like, actually, I don't want, I don't like, I don't think it's safe to kind of do that. Like there's some bodies, again, coming back to like, what bodies have been privileged and then how some bodies are kind of like, um, have been consumed in particular ways. I'm not trying to perpetuate that at all, basically. So until those conditions are right, until that equality comes, which I'm not sure when, I'm not going to do that, basically. Great. You're not going to have that from me. Yeah, yeah. So that that's something that has been, is a decision that I've made, yeah. but not to be mysterious. Yeah, not to create mystery. Yeah, because no, I, I just think like it, I don't want to perpetuate a particular kind of violence. Yes. So that's a rule you kind of set for yourself yes. in your art. Okay. Yeah. Do you have Basically. many other rules? Um, I don't know yet. Uh, maybe, but not like so clear as that one. Okay. Basically. Can I ask you another thing? Yes. You wrote a letter to Freeze, which um, I think it was just before your show. Or it's a, a text with you, with, oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. with a diagram yeah. of a kind of, isn't it? Yeah, it was for their 200, like, uh, edition. Um, 200th edition. Of yeah, the, basically, they asked a couple of, like, people to kind of contribute a text. So, yeah. Yeah, text. I, I loved that text. And um, the bit, because uh, to me, it was very poetic. Yeah. Um, but also, I loved that it was almost so personal and intimate at the same time but you don't really get the full story yeah and the whole thing about dark child's music and mm. um dark child, dark child. trying to be like keisha who yeah. i assume was from sugar babes i wasn't sure no keisha from total keisha from total is an r&b group um oh. that was managed by um uh puff daddy who now goes by p diddy okay um and yeah they were like a group that oh, I, I loved and I loved Keisha basically. I loved Keisha from Sugar Bass, which is oh, why I thought Keisha it was Keisha was her. also great though. Sugar Bass was also great. I quite like Kesha. I loved the Sugar Bass was also Kesha. great. Like, let's have a moment for Sugar Bass. I kind of actually because I felt like they I were... might have been like lying. Like, yeah, let's, me let's too. Do it. I, thought I like they were Siobhan, great. like the original. Oh, yeah. Siobhan was so great. It I is so great. Yeah, I liked her so But they did all get back together, the original three, didn't they? For I think about Maybe three months, for like yeah. a week, yeah. yeah. But I I loved this idea of these kind of and a bit like with the glass, the hand blown glass that's in your exhibition relating mm. to um, you know socialising and yeah. Um, yeah. drinking and all those things. But I loved these personal elements, and they're only like tiny sentences yeah. here and there, which then become part of this bigger picture. Which yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that because you can Google it and go to Freeze and you can see this wonderful. Yeah. It's only very short, but I I found it really touching as well. Thank you. So. Every guest that comes on Talk Art, mm-hmm. we ask two questions to They're really tough. <laughs> uh, okay. One is, um, if you could go to any museum or house or anywhere and take an artwork, do like an art heist and take oh, something goodness. home with you and it could be absolutely anything like that's inspired you or yeah. like a touchstone artwork oh, that you could goodness. bring home or, or whatever, what, what, would you, what would you do? What would you be your art heist? Oh my goodness. <laughs> now, who are your influences? Who do you look at historically in the lineage of our history? Um, okay, let me think. That's hard. Like, there's there's lots of people that maybe I'm interested in, but not like that are not like big hitters for me. Like, I, maybe I don't have that, but I may be interested in like. Well, actually, so one of the things that I guess I do do is, um, I'm interested in like moments that kind of like um, draw like a type of arousal in in particular like um, in a particular art economy, and maybe just using that 
but using it to go elsewhere. So like, uh, one of like a, like a term that's kind of been used to kind of describe my work is minimalism, but I'm not necessarily interested in that. Um, I want minimalism with like a nice sloppy wet kiss. Like I want, I want, I want it, I want it with feeling. So I'll like, I'll take all these things that people may be used to that it does, but like do these other things, like imbue it with something like cognac or, you know, rub all these other things in. So there is, there isn't, there is an awareness of that. And maybe that was like, that study came from in terms of like, maybe any insecurities I have, like moving from design to art and like, okay, what is this thing? And like, who do I need to kind of be aware of? Or like, what is this history? And I think I'm actually, I'm not really so respectful of this history. I'm not like, I don't hold it so sacrosanct, you know? Um, but like, I guess well, it's people, like minimalism that you imbue with a spell. Yeah. Um, with magic. Yeah. Like a love triangle between like romanticism, minimalism and conceptualism. Great. That That's would be hot. like, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then take that to anywhere along the tropic of uh, cancer and it's even better. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of palm trees, blue skies and heats. Like awesome. that's my uh, setup. But to answer your question. Um, Oh my goodness. Um, I'm just trying to think. Okay, maybe I can't answer that, but a show that I really liked at the moment um, was Civic Duty at Cell Project Space. Mm-hmm. So it had Adrian Piper. Um, I love her. Right? Was it the dancing video where she's dancing no, to so Berlin? She made, or... No, but that's a great video as well. Like, if you can so put dancing much. and artwork, then like, I'm all yeah, over oh, that. Oh, you can have, you can have, you can have uh, Adrian so Piper there. So maybe, around, maybe yeah. there is one. So Adrian Piper. Yeah. Um, but also, I like Adrian Piper in the sense that you can't like you can't categorize her practice, no. right? So there's there's this writing, there's this there's this theory, there's like these photographs, there's these texts, there's these kind of like installations, there's these experiences. I do like so there's a fragmentation, but it does there is an order to it. Mm-hmm. So yes, let's let's go with Adrian Piper. Amazing, awesome. And uh, the next question we ask everyone is, what is your favorite color? <sighs> What is my favourite colour? Um, so in screen printing, it would be like um, fluorescent pink. Really? really? Yeah, totally. I love a fluorescent pink. So have you showed these screen prints anywhere? Uh, I have, yeah. Like, but like in, I have in the past. I have, yeah. But I am, I am actually working on a set of screen prints at the moment for like cool. a show that's coming up. I want to wow. see that in fluorescent pink. There'll be some fluorescent pink, yes. And why, why fluorescent pink? Because it's just a nice hot colour. It is a hot colour. It reminds what... me of Miami Vice a bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Don Johnson know, right? sort of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shirts like Hawaiian shirts and everything. And also, yeah. but like Michael Mann films, like the way he uses light, um, that kind of like um, twilight, what twilight does to certain like colours, I quite like that. And that fluorescent pink does that for what me. What scale are these screen prints? <sighs> like, um, they're massive. Um, I like scale, I like size. Mm. So they're maybe like uh, a meter by two meters. Great. I want to see these. I'm really liking this idea of fluorescent pink as well because mm. I feel like certain colours can kind of create an emotion or positive yeah. energy or energy. Even. Yeah. And I think that is a colour that would do that, isn't it? It's yeah. like it kind of invigorates jolt, you. Yeah. 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 And also um, we were told by Michael Craig Martin ages ago that pink and magenta can actually look good with every other colour as well. Yeah. Apparently so, it makes other colours look good. Right, it makes them pop. Yeah. So, like, a lot of my prints are, like, maybe printed onto, like, black. So black is the the background, yeah. and then, like, these, like, fluorescent colours sit on top of them. Or some of them are more gestural as well. So there's, so there's, there's a range of, like, the prints that I do, basically. Awesome. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you so much yeah. for talking No, about thank you for you, having me. You live me. in London, right? No, at the moment I live in Amsterdam. Like, I'm literally going back to Amsterdam today. Are you? I am. And what is it you do in Amsterdam? You're at the Rijks Academy now. I'm at the Rijks Academy doing Dang a two-year uh, residency. residency. So I started that in January, so I just literally moved over in January. And what are you, how are you finding Amsterdam? Yeah, no, it's good. It's been good to be there um, and work on this show, like, and be, like, away from London. Yeah. Um, it's a completely different vibe. Um, but no, I, I really enjoy it. Like, like I, I, I love heat. I like, I'm like, I'm uh, allergic to the cold. Yeah. Like, I just don't do cold weather at all. Yeah. So now it's getting warmer and it's like, it's, as a city, it's starting to kind of open up a bit more to me. Um, it's like doing things like cycling along the canals yeah, and lovely. like buying tulips and, you know. Yeah. But no, I really like it. I really enjoy it. Rotterdam's interesting as well. I do like Rotterdam, yeah. actually. I prefer Rotterdam to, than I, Amsterdam. I really like Rotterdam as well. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. more like... Yeah, and there's really great artists there and there's a few good art spaces and things. Yeah. yeah it's really... Um, it's a great Yeah, I like, I like Rotterdam's vibe yeah. over Amsterdam. But, but I do uh, like Amsterdam. And outside of Amsterdam, you're London girl. I'm a London girl born and bred, yes. Southwest, St. Reefham, or Streatham. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, shout out to the lanes. <laughs> <laughs> they all listen to Talk Art. They do, well, yeah, I'll tell them to now, basically. Do, do. Good one. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for No, not on. at all. Yeah, Thanks for having phenomenal. me. Hopefully we'll get to have another conversation in the future. Yeah. I'm really liking the idea now of like doing more than one interview, so you could like do an Revisit. interview in a year's yeah. time. Yeah. But we have to have lamb on the table. Huh? Yeah. We have to have lamb. Well, I'm pescatarian. I'm pescatarian. Yeah. You two can have oh, the wow. lamb. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. We, we can just have, yeah, literally. Oh, I will eat the yeah. rosemary sprigs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. And for everyone who wants to see images of the artworks we've spoken about today, you can see it at our Instagram, at TalkArt. And we'll be back very soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.